Well, good morning, Promise Church. It's so good to have you here this morning. Uh, it's kind of a beautiful day. It's sunny out, but it's snowing, so we'll take what we can get. God's doing weird things with the weather, and I know we're not all happy about that. But it's great to be here together, and it's great to spend some time worshiping God and, and being a community. And so I just want to first welcome those of you who haven't been with us before, online or at home. Um, if this is your first time, I want to invite you to get connected with us. You can do that by going to promisechurch.community. If you're here and you're new, there's tablets in front of you in, your, in one of your little book slots in the pew that you can actually go to promisechurch.community, and there's a Get Connected tab. And you can fill that out, give us your information, tell us you're here, um, and we can start getting you connected into our community. The second thing is that we are a live congregation on Slack. So if you're online right now and you're joining us on Slack, already the discussions are starting in this church, and it's just a great place where we can share testimony, pray together, celebrate being together here this morning and all throughout the week. And so you can also go to the Get, community, your Get Connected tab and join Slack that way as well. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Just Welcome again. Um, we're going to open up and worship this morning, and so I'm going to invite you all to stand uh, at home as well. Allow the Holy Spirit to start making your home a place of worship. You know, God will move here. He'll move there. It doesn't matter where we are. He's going to move this morning, and we're going to be a part of it, and we're going to celebrate that. So let's just take some time this morning. Father, we worship you. Father, you are worthy of our praise. God, we know you're with us right now. We know your presence is moving in this place, ready to do amazing things. And God, we just lean into that this morning. God, we open our hearts. We posture ourselves to receive the blessing you have. God, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus. And we thank you, God, that we have such a strong foundation. God, that we build our lives on, Lord, and we celebrate that this morning. I have a new song for us this morning, Promise. If you catch on, sing along. He won't fail. 
God, we stand in this room, God, because you are faithful. God, every one of us here has a testimony, Jesus. Let's sing this. Rain came. And rain came, wind blew, when my house was built on you. And I'm safe with
Father of kindness. And Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness. You have filled me with peace. Giver of mercy, you're my help in time. Yes, God. Lord, I can't help but sing. Let's sing a promise. And faithful you are. Yes, God. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. And all your promises are yes and amen. And all your promises are yes and amen. Hey! 
you know how I know God is faithful? Because we've been singing this song since the start of this church. This is one of the first songs we ever sang when we planted this church. And look at this place right now. Look at how many people, just look around you. This is a community built on people that have experienced the faithfulness of God. And we sang this song from the beginning of the church, and it just never dies. Every time we sing that, at our core, we can believe that he is faithful. And so we have to sing that chorus a few more times together. I just invite you, let's just open our arms or open your arms, just posture yourself openly to Jesus right now, whatever way that is for you, whether it's closing your eyes, whether it's folding your hands, whatever it is, I, I just, I invite you, let's posture ourselves openly and praise God for his faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Let's sing. Faithful you are, and Oh, praise His name. 
of it all. God, to you be the honor and glory forever. We sing that this morning, promise. Let's sing. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Yes, God. To him be the honor and power and glory. Jesus is his name, and 
God, for from you, through you, to you are all things. God, we give you the honor and the glory forever and ever. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Promise. You may be seated. As we go to communion now, let's just keep that in our minds. He's worthy and holy for what he's done. I'm going to get my helpers to come up now. Uh, if you are at home and you want to take a couple uh, minutes just to grab whatever you're using for the uh, bread and the wine, and we're going to serve here. Uh, when we're done, when you get back to your seats, or if you don't want to go right back to your seats, we're just going to take a minute once everyone's had communion. And what I want you to do is turn to someone near you and tell them this is supposed to be in remembrance of what Christ has done. So tell them what you're thankful for. When, when you take communion, what does it bring to your mind about what Christ has done, either in your life or just in this world. And so uh, Abigail is going to now direct to everyone to come and get communion. So if you could follow her lead and help her out a bit, that would be great.
All right, so let's just take 30 seconds to a minute now and turn to those around you and tell them what it is. What are you remembering today as we take communion? as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, we are so thankful. And we do remember what you did for us, that you are worthy. That you are worthy of all praise as you were the ultimate sacrifice for us, Lord. So God, we thank you for that. And may we never forget uh, what it cost for us to be in relationship with you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we have a few announcements. The first one, uh, we are super excited. I uh, missed it a couple weeks ago, but we did a Promise Grant celebration, and we have a new Promise Grant starting. My friend Leah, who is right over here, 
And Pastor Rob uh, wants some friends to help them out to do a promise grant. They are starting next Friday, April 1st. Uh, it's going to be on Zoom. Yeah, the first meeting's going to be on Zoom. So either be in touch with Leah or Rob or Slack them. They are helping um, a group called, it's Loft, right? And it reaches out to um, women in need in the Keswick area. And so they're going to partner. They're going to figure out what they can do to help. And uh, Leah's super excited about it. She's been talking about this for months to me. So I know that uh, she's really excited. So help her out. Be involved in this Promise Grant. And let's... Um, just help to reflect Christ to those around us. We have uh, Easter is coming up not that long from now. You wouldn't know it with all this snow. But anyway, Good Friday is April 15th, and we are having a service here at our regular service time, which is 1115. Uh, I think it's just a one-hour service, and it's all interpretive dance by Pastor Devin. And then... Last week, this is a little bit embarrassing. Last week, I was so excited and asked all of you, how many of you dug out your spring jackets? How many of you went back to your closet and dug out your winter jackets this morning? Because I sure did. Oh my goodness. Look at how many of you. It's crazy out there. So, hopefully, spring is around the corner. Thursday is going to be a whopping 17 degrees, and then it'll go back down from there. But... The plus temperatures are coming. I promise they're coming. We are in Psalm chapter 23, and we're going to finish it off today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, one thing that I've really missed because of COVID has just put a damper on this, but maybe you're with me on this one. One thing I've really missed is having company come to my house. Yeah, I see a bunch of nods. Yeah. How about you guys at home? Do you miss seeing company come to your house, having friends over? My kids have been so excited to have friends over, go to their friends' houses. It's been awesome the last little bit. And last week... We had some house guests, and I was so excited. I don't know who was more excited, them or me, because, you know, they were in my house, and they actually even stayed the night. Yes, adults had sleepovers. <laughs> and it was so much fun. We played games, and we had this great barbecue twice, and I was thinking about, you know, dwelling in the house forever. I can't wait to have a sleepover at his house because you know the food's going to be awesome and you know the company is going to be pretty awesome. And I was thinking about this as I had my house guests and I thought, how am I treating them? Am I just saying, hey, you need, there's the fridge, go help yourself. No, that's not what you do with house guests, right? You want to give them the best you want them to experience the best. You want them, when they go home, you want them to say, 
I had the greatest time. Thank you so much. I'm going to be back, right? You're welcome. <laughs> They're in the house. And that's what God wants. He wants us to go, I want to go there. I want to dwell in his house forever because I know the company's awesome and I know the food is awesome and I know the environment is amazing and my, the, the host, there's none other. God wants us to dwell in his house forever. Not just be a house guest, but to be there forever. How do we get there? What are we going to do to make sure that someday we're not just a guest, we're there forever. Follow Jesus. Think like a sheep and live with the shepherd. Today, kids, we're going to exit this way. So kids, if you are here and you're ready to go downstairs, come on up. Follow the sign, the promised kids sign. Off we go. Moms and dads. You guys get a break too. You guys get to go that way. Right? Yeah. Moms and dads, you guys can go have a break as well. Follow this exit while the kids go that way and enjoy a little bit of social time.
All right. Well, welcome back into our service today. We're so glad that you're here. This is the first time I get to greet you today, both at home and here in the building. So we're just going to have a whole bunch of people come on back in here into the sanctuary in the next couple of moments. And uh, I must tell you, there is something so liberating about experiencing this break together again to say thank God for community. Thank God that we have friendship. Thank God that we're coming through um, the dangers of COVID. Thank God that it is good. So we are so glad to have met with you and talked with you in break today. Um, and if you've been at home today, I do want to let you know that there is something that we're doing. We do have a socially distanced area on the north side of our sanctuary. And during break, what we'll do with that is I will actually personally serve you so that you don't have to mix and mill about in the in the press and make all that happen and and uh, and so you can you can also know that we still are being very careful and understanding um, the way that you feel like you're supposed to be navigating um, this uh, this time as we're in between seasons between normal and uh, and and where it's been so um, we're just really blessed and uh, and I'm so happy and honored to be here as uh, as a church, and it is a great thing. Let me open up in a word of prayer, um, and just before I do that, I just need to check to make sure I didn't miss much. I did miss something. Um, so let me open up in a word of prayer, and uh, and as we as we pray, I also want to uh, encourage people to continue to remember to give um, at, at uh, promisechurch.community. There's a tablet in front of you if you're here in the space, and you can give right on that tablet um, or on your own phone, as well as at home. You can go to promisechurch.community. The green thing says give, and that's actually how we give here. If you need to give with cash or check, there is a uh, there is a, a offering slot just out in the foyer at the welcome table. And so we thank you for that. Let me pray. And, uh, and, and God has a good word for us today. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that this church, as someone just said on Slack, is not normal. I thank you that what that means is that we are a community gathering together, foreshadowing the fulfillment of your promises. You with us, making everything right. And there's an element of that that's not normal. And so, Jesus, I pray that we would be a people that become a light in a dark place, a city on a hill. That's what you have called us to be. So that in the darkness, people would look and say, there is a community that serves the true God. There is an example according to which I should live. And no, they don't get it perfect, but they, they put their focus in the right place. And so, Jesus, I pray that as, as we do that with integrity, through grants, through worship services, through community events, through, through serving each other, through prayer, God, I pray that we would be a church that you look upon and bless. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you can see, Slack is something that we use, and it actually affects the service. So when you say something on Slack, it's, it may affect the flow of things today. And so please definitely be on Slack while I'm talking. If you're not yet on Slack, then uh, you can go to promisechurch.community, get connected, and give us your information. We'll get you on Slack as soon as we can. Um, so this is, this is wonderful. We're starting a new sermon series today called What 
should I fear? What will we fear? And, uh, and so we're looking at understanding the fear of God. Let me tell you a story. I was six years old. And I grew up in a community called around Wilcox Lake in Oak Ridges, Ontario. And I love Wilcox Lake. It's just this lovely place. We lived in a, in a winterized cottage year-round. That was my house. And Kitty Corner, across the road from me, my grandparents had their big brick house, and then their neighbors were my uncle and aunt in another winterized cottage, yellow winterized cottage. And uh, it's now a three-story uh, mansion. But, you know, it was a yellow winterized cottage. And as a six-year-old, I was allowed to go across the kitty corner and go to my cousin's house to go play with him because my cousin and I have always been good friends and still are to this day. And so we would go to play, and, uh, but there was a problem. I was terrified of knocking on the door. Just, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one in the world that's scared of knocking on someone else's door, but I was terrified. I'm six years old, terrified. So this is what I would do. I had a grand solution to my fear. It was wonderful. I would go into the backyard where we would always play, and I would lurk along their back porch, looking in the windows, hoping somebody's going to notice that I want to come out and play. Or I want somebody to come out and play. Because I was totally terrified of rejection. I was, I was really like, I can't handle this rejection piece. At six years old. I mean, maybe you felt a fear of rejection as well. Maybe public speaking. You know, if I were to ask you to come up here and speak in front of everybody else, like I sometimes do to, you know, you poor people, I try to be considerate of who, you know, wouldn't be totally terrified by that. But, you know, maybe it's public speaking that you have a fear of rejection. Maybe I'm not going to be good enough. Or maybe it's interviews. A fear of, of rejection in an interview where, where you know you've got this job opportunity that you really, really want, and you're literally sweating buckets, or your heart, your heart rate's just like abnormally through the roof before or during this, inter this, uh, this interview. Fear of rejection, it affects most of us. Some way or another, it affects us. I need us to start with a definition of fear. Fear is the awareness of a threat that affects your normal life. Fear is the awareness of a threat that affects your normal life. I've been studying this for a while, and what I thought fear was coming in was, was being scared. But that is a reaction to fear. That is, that is something that, that fear can lead to. But fear itself is an awareness of a threat that's going to affect your life. And fear is normal. It's something that we all have. In this fallen, broken world, this is something that we all have. We have fear. You can cause terror through fear. You could, you could be scared, but fear is simply the awareness of the threat. Fear is, has an important function in our life. I mean, without fear, we would succumb to threats. Without fear, we would, we would do things that, that expose us to threats, like changing drivers of a car on the roof of the car at 40 kilometers an hour when I was 24. 
There's a story there that I'm not going to go into, but I should have had fear, but I didn't until I was on the roof of the car and the car is on cruise control. Then I had fear. Should have had it before. Fear changes the way we think of things. And, and it, is, it is a good thing, but some of us have a fear of rejection. So what if I'm rejected? In Christianity, we have a metric of how we can walk through these fears. We have a way to walk through fears that is different than what's offered to the rest of the world, and we're going to get into that. But as I start off today, I want to start with a question. Why do we fear rejection? This is just an opinion question. There's no really right or wrong. But let me know on Slack. Why do you think we fear rejection? Why, why is this a thing? As you guys answer that, um, I, I want to take a look at 2 Timothy 1, 7 to 10. This is going to be our text for the entire sermon series. We'll use other scripture, but this is going to be our text for the entire sermon series. And you might come out of this sermon series with this text memorized. But let me give you a little bit of background. 2 Timothy 1. So Timothy is a protege of the Apostle Paul. Now, that's important. Because at the time that Timothy is a protege to the Apostle Paul, Christianity is falling out of favor. Christianity is starting to be recognized as something that is apart from Judaism. Well, of course it is. Christians aren't Jews. They're different. We know that. 21st century, we know that that's not the same thing. But there was a problem. Historically, the Roman Empire was in charge of the Israel-Palestine area. And the Roman Empire learned from the Greeks about how to manage a global empire. And one of the rules that they adopted was the acceptance of pre-existing religion. So when you conquer a country, when you conquer a nation, a way to make sure that that nation will not revolt against you is to accept, formally, their religious structure. So Israel got to maintain its religious structure, and it was protected by Roman law. It's protected, saying you can't, you, you can't be uh, attacked or persecuted. You will be allowed to worship at the temple. You'll be allowed to practice the rules of Torah. You will be allowed to do all these things. You have freedom of religion. It was absolute treason against the empire to start a new religion. That's punishable by death. Starting a new religion is not okay. So, here we have Christianity falling out of favor, and they're starting to realize that Christianity is nuanced enough from Judaism that it could be a different religion. It's in that context that Paul goes to jail because in that context, the Jewish people say he is not representing Judaism. Therefore, what he is representing stands in the face of Caesar and it is treason. Oh, well, that's why Paul's in jail. Interesting. So Paul's in jail because he represented Jesus to the point that the Jews rejected his message, and then there's a separation there. And that is why Christianity started to become persecuted. 
because it's an illegal religion. It's a rogue state. It's something that's different. It's against the imperial empire. So this is what is going on. This is the context. Now Paul is in prison, so now a threat of rejection is real. It's right there. It's palpable. There are real implications. The Jewish accusation on Paul now can transfer onto Timothy. Timothy is exposed to great risk. Now let's read the passage. 2 Timothy 1, 7 to 10. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So let me take a look. Why do we fear rejection? Um, we have a bunch of things. We've got, we've got uh, rejection hurts, and we don't want to feel hurt. We've got, I have a fear of the, <laughs> nice, I have a fear of the normal. Yeah, but rejection can equal judgment. It can make you feel unwanted or not valued or unloved, and we just want to be liked and loved. Rejection means Rejection means that they haven't caught up with me yet. Thank you, right? But we fear rejection because we fear being alone on an issue. I agree. We fear re rejection because we fear like we're going to be alone on an issue. Here's Timothy, and he fears that he's going to be outed and become vulnerable. He's going to be standing alone, and the gospel of Jesus is going to be under attack. But we feel it too. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be isolated. We have, uh, we have, we fear rejection because we're meant to be in a community, and rejection is a rupture of that community. Somebody's preaching my sermon ahead of me. See, humanity is created in the image of God. And, and the way that God is, when we consider God, we've come to see him as a triune being. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They live in perfect unity, common unity. They live in community. And so God lives like this, and we're created in his image. The Godhead exists together in perfect unity, not to be rejected. There is full, unquestioned inclusion and intimacy in the Godhead. It's not insignificant that when Jesus died, he cried out, My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? The first rupture of community in the Godhead happened when Jesus was on the cross. Something significant happened. But for humanity, it happened far earlier. It happened in the garden. Humanity's experienced the fear of rejection when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So where did the fear of rejection come from? If we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, 
He said, and I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. They, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they broke the trusting, safe intimacy in the relationship with God. It broke. They invited death, and they brought the implication of threat. The first consequence, before the curse, the first consequence of the fall was a breaking of community. She is a threat to me, and God is a threat to me. I must cover myself because I am naked. The first consequence was they saw themselves as naked, and we have been breaking intimacy ever since. The lack of trust is something that we've always felt. That's why we do marriage. In marriage, we build the foundation for intimacy so that you can be seen completely inside of a trusting covenant. That's where that comes from. Because God knows if somebody sees me completely, thoroughly, all the way through, the chances of them rejecting me is really, really high. But my wife, I tricked her into committing <laughs> that she would never reject me. And so she's stuck. And we have this beautiful intimacy now. And I say beautiful in, in you know, kind of sardonically because it's like she sees who I really am. Sometimes she just doesn't comment on it. <laughs> she's so full of grace. That's why the intimacy works. But then we know that, that that's how we're created to be. But we have a genuine self-preservation and a protection because we might get rejected. We, that community might be broken. I think of it in high school, the rejection of friends, that sense that community is broken and how devastating that feels and how far people will go to try to make sure that they preserve that community because, because we have to make sure that we're not rejected. We were created for it. We were created to not be rejected. So here's Paul talking to Timothy. Paul has been rejected in the most forceful way. He's thrown in jail awaiting his death. And Paul says, don't be ashamed of the testimony about my Lord, of our Lord, nor me, his prisoner. Don't be ashamed of the rejection that I have experienced. Don't be ashamed of it. Paul's course led him to be rejected. And, and he knows that Timothy on some level is going to be rejected. And he says, don't shy away from it. Don't look at Slack right now. <laughs> Someone remove that. That was painful. Can we just... <sighs> Jesus loves you. My next... Timothy's going to be rejected as I might be too. <laughs> but my net, my, Paul's saying, in, in light of your faith in Jesus, you have a different hope. You don't, 
You don't have to fear rejection. There's something else that you could do here, and we're going to get to that. So I was going to ask, when have you had a fear of being rejected? Uh, but Slack has already answered when I've had a fear of being rejected. <laughs> but honestly, when have you had a fear of being rejected? When have, when have you had a fear of, of, of something happening? Was it a public speaking event, a job interview, a first date? Maybe think of one a few years ago or something, and just quickly share something in Slack where it's like, I feared rejection at this point, and it was, it was crazy, whatever. Um, I'll read a couple in a, in a moment. Um, but even there, with what I just asked you, you might feel a fear of rejection. How could I share something that personal? I can't share that. You're, you're searching through your mind, what could I actually share maybe? I can't share that personal, that's not okay. So, we protect ourselves from rejection because it's a threat to us. We're social beings created by God who is a unified social being. And Paul says to Timothy, the way the world is now, you might feel rejection, but God didn't give you a spirit that's defined by fear. God did not give you a spirit that's defined by the fear of rejection, by the fear that the way of the world is going to look at you. God has included you into something greater. Someone says, I fear, I fear reje rejection as being a woman in ministry. I fear being rejected. Um, someone said, when I wanted to tell people about what Jews did for me, and, and then I worry that they might say, no, that's not true. Wow, that was a child who said that. I fear rejection daily, my ideas, my love, my kindness, and my faith. So, the spirit inside of you counters the fear of rejection. For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So, how does the spirit of love overcome rejection in us? See, fear is the awareness of a threat to our normalcy. The fear of rejection stops us from giving love because we're afraid that that love will not be accepted. The fear of rejection doesn't stop me from, from accepting someone else's love. The fear of rejection stops me from offering love. It stops me from participating in what God has called us to do as the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Giving love is impeded by the fear of rejection. God didn't give you a spirit that's defined by fear, but he gave you a spirit that is defined by love. And so because you have a spirit that's defined by love. You can actually love. So, so how does a spirit of love overcome the fear of rejection in us? I'm, I'm loved by God. And it's fully accepted that I'm brought into full relationship with God. I have enough. Because God loves me. You have enough. Because the eternal, immortal pours his love into you. That you have what I call a love surplus. 
That, that when the world doesn't have a love surplus, they have to be very careful with the love that they pour out to other people because they fear rejection. Because if I give my love here and it is rejected, how will I ever receive it again? The fear of rejection has everything to do with the, with the passing of love between people and people and God. We fear God and so we don't worship him. We, we, we run away, we go, oh, oh, God can't see me as I truly am, so I come on Sunday, try to put my best foot forward, and I hope that God didn't see what I did during the week. We put barriers in between me and God, and we put barriers in between me and the other, and God didn't give you a spirit that is full of fear like that because God has already loved you in spite of what you did in the week. He has loved you, and he has changed you, and he wants to give you a surplus of love so that you don't need to fear rejection, so that you can love freely. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can give love even when it doesn't come back. The love of God is a foundation that is unshakable. I am eternally loved by God and accepted by God for the rest of our life. A love that God gives never makes me feel rejected. The same goes with promised church, someone wrote. And we try to foreshadow that. We try to, we try to exhibit it. We do it imperfectly. There will be times at Promise Church where, where you might get hurt. But it's not about that because, yes, your love might get rejected. But the love that God is giving you, backfilling that on the other end, you can afford it. The, the risk that we take in loving each other here in the church is so vital, church. That, that we take that risk and we love each other. We invite each other out to dinner. We say, yes, I am going to actively love instead of waiting just to receive love. I am going to actively love in this community because I am filled up with the love of God. And your reaction, the, the reaction that you get may not be, you know, it might be, no, I, I don't want to go out. Okay, that sucked but I am still loved by God. Unshakable foundation. The fear of rejection doesn't stop us from receiving love. It stops us from giving love. So let me make Paul's exhortation contemporary. You have not been given a spirit of fear that caused you to pull back from loving somebody. God has given you a spirit that is of security in God's love for you. You have a secure base in which to operate because from God, he will fill you with the love that you need. You can give your love who don't deserve it or who will not return it in kind. So let me conclude with this. We have a love, yeah. Let me conclude with this. Church family, we have to actively act in love towards each other because it affirms your inclusion into the family of God. It proves in your experience that God really does love you. And that God loves us. So in the Christian community here at Promise Church, we must actively show love for each other. It's going to strengthen our ability to be vulnerable to the world. 
where there's going to be no reciprocation. Think about this. Without love sourced from God, I can't risk to love you. So I must source all my love from God and love from the surplus, out of the overflow of my heart. Love every single one of us. But get this. Without the love from the church, we cannot effectively show love outside the church. Without love from inside the church, we cannot effectively show love outside of the church. Because we need the loving support of each other in order, in order to weather the damage of rejection that still will come. So we come together, we love, and then when we love outside of the church, when we serve outside of the church and it's exhausting and we're pouring into something that nobody's giving back to us, we come here and say, yeah, but it's worth it. But it's worth it. It's so good to be loved by God and to be loved by the brothers and sisters in community. Jesus said that they will know that they are that you are my disciples by your love for each other. That's how people will know that God is among us because we love each other. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. I've been a few minutes late, I apologize, so let me wrap up in prayer. I wasn't able to touch as many Slack comments as, as I wanted, but let me wrap in prayer. Holy Spirit, in a day and age where people say, don't pay attention to toxic people, God, I pray that we would source our love from you so that we can love what mother, others might call toxic people in a deficit. That we would come back to you and to our church community where we know that we are loved so that we can love and serve even when we are being uh, um, uh, treated badly. God, that when, that when people want to throw us in prison, that we would not be bound up by the fear of rejection, but that we would love because you loved us first. And we wouldn't shy away. We have a different spirit given to us. And so, God, I pray that as we are aware of the threats around us, that we would rely on the security and the In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so, thank you so much for being a part of Promise Church. I absolutely love every single one of you. Um, and I photo.